Okay there, welcome to Amsterdam. Over here you see some very nice museums and some cafes, very nice. And in the bottom you find marketplace, nice, nice, very nice. In Amsterdam we like uh, tulips of course and white knelsch. Uh, very vast canal networking place, very nice. And uh, robots, of course, uh, mainly cyborgs, nice. And stylized ultraviolence and mind-altering states of consciousness, nice, nice, nice. And of course, the rough shakes, that's super nice. If you'd like to pick up your complimentary machine gun, we can begin mowing down members of the public, nice. And then it's onto a concert show in the street over here, where we're going to Relax, it's only me. I haven't turned into a genial Dutch tour guide for some reason. But what if I had? And what if you and I followed that train of logic wherever it led us? Why then, we'd be in the surreal territory of magic realist cinema. Doesn't that sound fun? It sure does to your friend and mine, Paul Verhoeven. Why, you ask? Oh, you didn't ask. Too bad. Paul Verhoeven was born in Amsterdam in 1938, which was probably the last year for a while when everything was chilled out and cool in Amsterdam. As a child, he witnessed firsthand the fallout from World War II, when the Dutch were essentially steamrolled by the advancing German army. They spent most of the war just trying to figure out what the hell happened and how to stay alive until it was done happening. The post-war experience of a fractured society, trying to piece together what had happened and what was to become, turned out to be a formative experience, and Verhoeven commented in an interview that had the Germans not invaded, he would never have become a filmmaker in the first place. That means there is a direct causal link between the rise of the Third Reich and Robocop shooting a guy in the dick. Talk about unintended consequences. Verhoeven started directing short films and pieces for Dutch television as a young man in the 60s, but he had an opportunity to direct a feature film in 1971 and made the most of it. His film, Business is Business, concerned the comings and goings of sexy prostitutes having lots of sexy sex. Let's just say that Paul Verhoeven started as he meant to go on, with a bang. Oh, many bangs, really. This was a comedy film, but it did contain some social messaging along with it, along with fantasy sex roleplay and lots of feathers. It did well. So well, in fact, that for a while it was the most popular film of all time in the Netherlands, at least until Verhoeven's next film in 1973. Turkish Delight, starring Rutger Hauer at the start of his career, was a romantic drama about two people from very different social classes in a relationship that was tumultuous and obsessive, with lots of rough sex. There's also a surprisingly lethal scene with some Turkish delight at the end, so it all makes sense. Or at the very least, you're going to think twice the next time you want to indulge in some. In 1999, at the Netherlands Film Festival, a vote was held for the best Dutch film of the century, and Turkish delight won first place. An auspicious debut indeed. It also launched Rutger Hauer's career, which means there is a direct causal link between the seizure of the Zudentenland and Roy Batty watching attack ships on fire off the shoulder of Orion. It really makes you think. Verhoeven has emerged as perhaps the single most important cinematic voice of his nation, but he was a controversial voice, and not just because of all that rough sex. In 1977, he released the war epic, Soldier of Orange, which described a semi-fictional account of real figures from both the Dutch resistance and German collaborators. Verhoeven was interested in showing the reality of the situation, and unflinchingly refused to judge any of his characters for their choices. He wanted to show the blurry lines between survival and collaboration, 
and in so doing did not present his nation in an entirely favourable light, but somewhere in between hero worship and condemnation. The film is, of course, now seen as one of the greatest Dutch films of all time, but it remains controversial to this day. As the 80s began, the boldly sex-drenched vision of Verhoeven only seemed to increase in extremity. His film, Spetters, dealt frankly with homosexuality and desire in a way that was, and bear with me here, sort of like Saturday Night Fever, but if it were all about professional dirt bike racing. Once again, one of the most popular Dutch films of all time. In fact, at this point, let's clear the air. There are 24 films of Dutch origin with greater than 1 million admissions listed in the Netherlands, and 6 of them are by Verhoeven. Essentially, the entire film viewing public of the country has sat down to at least one and probably several of his films. Literally a quarter of the population at the time watched Turkish Delight alone. Then, in 1983, he released The Fourth Man. It was already becoming clear that Verhoeven wanted to expand outside his home country and work in Hollywood, really spread that controversy over the rest of the world like sexy Metalla. His last Dutch film for the moment was also an interesting one, a psychological thriller in which an author becomes obsessed with a woman who has, apparently, murdered her last three husbands, combined with quasi-religious dream imagery and false overlapping realities. Essentially, he brought magic realist cinema to the Netherlands with a fascinating film that bore all the seeds of his later, comparatively tame, Basic Instinct. That's right, you heard me. For Verhoeven, Basic Instinct is tame. It also means there's a causal link between the annexation of Czechoslovakia and Sharon Stone flashing her tuppence halfpenny at Newman. Puts things in perspective. We all know what happened next, of course. In Hollywood, he went on to make Robocop, Basic Instinct, Total Recall, Starship Troopers. He was the blood-soaked gore visionary tearing the town apart for ten years. He also made Showgirls, which actually was not the box office bomb people think. It became one of the best-selling movies in MGM history once you take the immense video sales into account. The audience was there, they just didn't want to have to look each other in the eye afterward. Verhoeven had a practically unmatched run in Hollywood, churning out hit after hit for a decade, and he brought some of his friends along with him, like cinematographer Jeanne de Bont, who would, of course, go on to direct Speed. That means there is a direct causal link between the collapse of the Weimar Republic and Sandra Bullock jumping a bus over a bridge. Makes sense, looking back. The extreme was always there in Verhoeven films, but there was also always the ambiguity. Was he being serious or satirical? Was the violence cartoonish or hyper-real? Looking back on his work, we see a director who refuses to answer that question. He was always obsessed with the reality of what people do and who they really are, deep down. Conflicted, difficult, enraged, and always up for more of that delicious kinky sex, apparently. Verhoeven doesn't judge. Verhoeven understands. He's your therapist and your confessor. He's your pusher man. The 2000s saw him drift slowly back to his native lands, and considering that this is an event on par with, say, Spielberg, wandering off for a decade and then turning up in Hollywood again ready to pick up where he left off, you'd think it would be easier for Verhoeven to secure funding. Possibly due to his reputation for huge budgets, for Starship Troopers in 1997 he insisted on so many costumed extras that they are still renting out the iconic uniforms to sci-fi productions today in order to recoup some costs. Maybe not. Sadly, it doesn't matter how many gargantuan successes you've had, it's still tough to scratch up a film budget. 
He returned to the war with 2006's Black Book, concerning the Dutch resistance again in another violent but highly successful epic. But in case you thought he was calming down now that he's a pensioner, you can relax. His latest film from 2021, Benedetta, is about the erotic life and religious visions of lesbian nuns. You can pick it up now through reputable streaming services at home. Remember, Verhoeven doesn't judge. Profiles in Cinemania is a production of the Cinemania Society, LLC. This episode was written by Andy Slack. Music by Carl Casey at White Bat Audio.